Good evening. I'm Anthony Robustelli, author of I Want to Tell You, The Definitive Guide to the Music of the Beatles, and this is the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. Each week I'll be playing stripped-down, deconstructed mixes of classic Beatles songs, highlighting different instruments and vocals in a way that will truly amaze you. Imagine sitting in the control room at EMI Studios and having the opportunity to peel away the layers of a song, discovering new elements that you never knew existed. This is the closest you can get to that experience. So sit back, tune in, and enjoy the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. I'll make you maybe next time around. Ten days after the Beatles auditioned for Decca Records, Brian Epstein submitted an application to audition for the BBC show Teenager's Turn. Although they hadn't heard back from Decca regarding the recording contract, they were granted an audition for the BBC, and on February 12, 1962, the group arrived at the BBC's Manchester studio. They performed two Lennon McCartney originals, Hello Little Girl and Like Dreamers Do, as well as Chuck Berry's Memphis, Tennessee, Until There Was You from the recent musical The Music Man for producer Peter Pilbeam. On the audition form, he commented, an unusual group, not as rocky as most, more country and western with a tendency to play music, which as he recalled was high praise indeed because a lot of noise came out of most three guitars and drums groups. Despite Pilbeam's comments on the singers, John Lennon yes, Paul McCartney no, both singers were featured on their radio debut recorded in front of a live audience on March 7, 1962. The Beatles would go on to record 275 BBC radio performances of 88 different songs on 53 different shows between March 7, 1962 and May 20, 1965. While some of these performances were taped in front of a live audience, most were recorded in the BBC studios. At the time, most BBC studios didn't have the capability of multi-tracking, so any overdubs were performed live during tape-to-tape copies. The fourth and final From Us to You program, recorded on July 17, 1964, is the only Beatles BBC show for which a complete studio session tape has survived. The first three songs were recorded in a straightforward manner, but for whatever reason, George elected not to sing during the recording of I'm Happy Just to Dance With You. The backing track that we'll hear tonight was then copied to a second tape for Harrison's first vocal pass, and then that tape was copied back onto the original tape to add his second vocal. Next, we'll hear the basic track of I Should Have Known Better, with John's single-track lead vocal. John then added his second lead vocal during a tape copy, with the result copied back for the final layer, the catchy harmonica riff. We'll then fast-forward to November 17, 1964, and I'll Feel Fine, recorded for the Top Gear show. After a false start, we'll hear the backing track along with John's single-tracked vocal. Three tunes from the BBC.
like to do a bit more of general type balancing before we record anything. We can either, either do that one again or go on to another number. But bear with us for a little while. We're trying to get it good, so can you give us something, but it doesn't matter what. We'll do it again. So we'll try and get it good too. Look out then. Also, <laughs> here comes the light for the first track again.
you want to have a listen before we go on to the next one? We, we better hear it. That's speakers. We'll hear it back here because if it's all right here, it'd be better in there. So it'd be better out there than in here because this is crap in here. Yeah, but it's not so good out there as it is in here, and you'll think it's worse than what it is. Go in there and I'll... And it's not nearly as bad as that. Hang on, we'll just have a... I'll just have a listen to the beginning of that again, Paul, just a minute. Okay. At the end of July 2014, a recording from one of the Beatles' performances in Stockholm, Sweden suddenly materialized out of nowhere. The Beatles played four concerts at the venue, two on July 28, 1964, and two the day after. The concert was professionally recorded in stereo, however over the years one channel of the stereo image has been wiped, giving us a live multi-track meltdown. The result is that you can hear McCartney's vocal microphone clearly, but Lennon's vocal as well as Ringo's are missing, and John's rhythm guitar is low in the mix. Tonight we'll be hearing All My Loving, as well as I Want to Be Your Man. Two live cuts from 1964. Thank you, thank you. Tak, tak samuka, yeah. Thank you everybody. We'd like to sing now a song which we recorded on the second LP that we made. We hope you like the song. <laughs> we hope you like the song. It's called All My Lovin'. One, two, three, four, five. Close your eyes and I'll kiss you. Tomorrow I'll miss you. Remember I'm always be true. And then while I'm away, I'll ride home every day. And I'll send all my lovin'. I'll pretend that I'm kissing the lips I'm missing And hope that my dreams will come true And then while I'm away, I'll ride home every day And I'll send all my loving to you All my loving I will send to you all my loving, darling, I'll be true. Yeah! Close your eyes and I'll kiss you. Tomorrow I'll miss you. Remember. Well, now, uh, this song that we'd like to do now is one in which we like to feature somebody who doesn't very often sing, but he's singing tonight, singing a song which was also from the second LP that we made. I think he's on. Yes, of course he is. Is he on? Yes. Singing a song called I Wanna Be Your Man Ringo! I wanna be your man. I wanna be your man. Woo! 
Next up, two very funky songs from 1964, one from Lennon and one from McCartney. I Call Your Name was one of Lennon's earliest songs written in 1957 before the Beatles existed. As Lennon recalled in 1980, that was my song, when there was no Beatles and no group, I just had it around. It was my effort as a kind of blues originally, and then I wrote The Middle Ages to stick it in the album when it came out years later. The first part had been written before Hamburg even. It was one of my first attempts at a song. In 1963, he gave the song to Billy J. Kramer of the Dakotas, another Liverpool band who was signed to Parlophone by George Martin. Kramer released it as the B-side of the single Bad to Me, another Lennon-McCartney composition. Lennon was allegedly dissatisfied with the Dakotas' arrangement, as well as its position as the single's B-side, and decided that the Beatles should record their own version, which they did on March 1, 1964, eight months after Kramer recorded his take on the song. The song was originally supposed to be in their debut film, A Hard Day's Night, but director Richard Lester rejected it for sounding too similar to You Can't Do That, which was supposed to be featured in the final concert scene. Neither song ended up in the film, and You Can't Do That found a place on the non-soundtrack side of the album release, while I Call Your Name was one of four songs on the Long Tall Sally EP. In the U.S., both songs would be featured on the Beatles' second album, a fan favorite. Tonight we'll be hearing two mixes of this underrated Lennon rocker. The first, an instrumental version. The second, a mix highlighting Lennon's emotionally charged lead vocal and Harrison's 12-string guitar riffs and solo. We'll then hear two different takes of McCartney's What You're Doing, written in Atlantic City during their first full American tour. When they returned, they entered the studio on September 29, 1964 for the first of three sessions for the song. They recorded seven takes the first day and five more the next day, deciding that take 11 was best. Almost a month later, on October 26th, the last day of tracking for the Beatles for Sale LP, the group finally found what they were looking for. The distinctive drum introduction, another McCartney idea, was a direct reference to the Ronettes' number two debut hit, Be My Baby, from the previous year. What you're doing even brings the drum beat back towards the end of the song, just as the Ronettes did. After seven more takes, only three of which were complete, Take 19 was Dean Best, and after a double-track lead vocal by Paul, as well as piano also played by Paul, the song was complete. Tonight we'll hear true remixes of both Take 11 and Take 19, the version heard on the Beatles for Sale LP. One from Lennon and one from McCartney, circa 1964.
your name But you're not there Was I to blame For being unfair Oh, I can't sleep at night Since you've been gone I never weep at night can't go on Don't you know I can't take it I don't know who can I'm not gonna make it I'm not that kind of man Oh, I can't sleep at night But just the same I never weep at night Don't do it when we're singing. Don't do it while you're playing.
got me crying, girl. Why should it be so much to ask of you what you're doing to me? While there are many alternate takes of released Beatles songs, there actually aren't that many songs that were completed and never released during their time as a working band. Little Willie John's 1959 R&B hit, Leave My Kitten Alone, is one that most people believe would have enhanced the Beatles for Sale LP. Yet it was left on the shelf and would only find release on bootlegs until the Anthology Project. On August 14, 1964, the Beatles recorded five takes of Leave My Kitten Alone, adding overdubs to take five. The song was not mixed until 1982 when the late John Barrett prepared one for the Beatles at Abbey Road, a video presentation shown as part of a public tour of the Abbey Road studios the following year. The song was again remixed in 1984 by Jeff Emmerich in preparation for inclusion on the Unreleased Sessions Project and in 1994 by George Martin for the Anthology Project. Tonight we're going to hear a true remix that switches between McCartney's rock and piano and stars overdub tambourine, Lennon's gravelly double-tracked vocal, the rhythm section, and the twangy Harrison guitar solo. Leave my kitten alone.
We're back with the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. For George Harrison, it was both a blessing and a curse to be a fledging songwriter in the Beatles. On one hand, he was lucky to have watched two of the greatest songwriters of all time working and reworking songs on buses, vans, backstage, and in hotel rooms for a number of years. But the unfortunate reality of writing songs for a band that already had such prolific, incomparable songwriters was that his songs were rarely given the same time and effort as Lennon and McCartney originals. George Martin takes some of the blame for this. I think the trouble with George was that he was never treated on the same level as having the same quality of songwriting by anyone, by John, by Paul, or by me. I'm as guilty in that respect. I was the guy who used to say, if he's got a song, we'll let him have it on the album, very condescendingly. In this type of atmosphere, it is no surprise that Harrison withdrew from songwriting for so long. And unfortunate as it may seem, at this point his main concern was to be a formidable lead guitarist. After Don't Bother Me was recorded for the Beatles' second LP with the Beatles, Harrison would not have an original song on record until their fifth album, Help, released nearly two years later. With Lennon and McCartney consistently providing such amazing songs and giving little support to Harrison, it made it hard for him to bring compositions to the table and caused him to concentrate more on his playing until 1965. Harrison elaborated in a 1970 interview. The problem was that John and Paul had written songs for so long it was difficult. First of all, because they had such a lot of tunes, and they automatically thought that theirs should be priority. So for me, I'd always have to wait through ten of their songs before they'd even listen to one of mine. I had a little encouragement from time to time, but it was very little. It was like they were doing me a favor. I didn't have much confidence in writing songs because of that, because they never said, yeah, that's a good song. And also, I suppose at that time, I didn't have as much confidence when it came down to pushing my own material as I have now, so it took a while. He also stated that John and Paul had an advantage over him, having written most of their bad songs before we got into the recording studio. For me, I had to come from nowhere and start writing and to have something at least quality enough to be able to put it in the record with all their wondrous hits. Lennon apparently agreed. Paul and I really carved up the empire between us. George didn't even used to sing when we brought him into the group. He was a guitarist. He just wasn't in the same league for a long time. That's not putting him down. He just hadn't had the practice writing that we had. Surprisingly, McCartney stated in the Beatles anthology that he and Lennon considered including Harrison as a writing partner in the early days. It was an option to include George in the songwriting team. John and I had really talked about it. I remember walking up past Walton Church with John one morning, going over the question, without wanting to be too mean to George, should three of us write or would it be better to keep it simple? We decided we'd just keep to two of us. We're going to feature two Harrison compositions tonight. The first if I Needed Someone from Rubber Soul, would be Harrison's spotlight song on the group's 1965 and 1966 tours, the only Harrison original ever performed live by the Beatles. While Harrison's use of the Rickenbacker 12-string guitar heavily influenced the American group The Birds, they in turn inspired Harrison to write this song. Based on the guitar riff from their song The Bells of Rimney, If I Needed Someone would ironically be the last time that Harrison used the 12-string Rickenbacker on a released Beatles record. This remix will highlight different elements of the song, switching from a rhythm section heavy mix at the top to a mix highlighting the vocals later on. We'll then move to 1969 and one of the many songs Harrison introduced to the group during the January 1969 Get Back sessions and recorded for his three LP opus, All Things Must Pass. We'll first hear an acoustic version of Isn't It a Pity recorded on January 26th at Apple Studios. We'll then switch gears and hear remixes of both versions recorded for the All Things Must Pass LP. Different elements will be highlighted and then muted, so stay sharp. Make sure to listen for the Hey Jude-like chorus at the end of the first version of Isn't It a Pity. Perhaps subconsciously, George was getting back at Paul for not letting him play on that song. If I Needed Someone and Isn't It a Pity. One, two, three, four.
Had you come some other day then It might not have been like this But you see now I'm too much in love Carve your number on my wall And maybe you will get a call from me If I needed someone
without thinking anymore Forgetting to give up Isn't it a pity Well, that's it for this week, Beatles fans. I'm Anthony Robustelli, author of I Want to Tell You, The Definitive Guide to the Music of the Beatles, Volume 1, 1962-1963, and you've been listening to The Beatles' Multitrack Meltdown on Beatlesarama.com. Tune in every Sunday night at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, for more stripped-down, deconstructed mixes of classic Beatles songs, live cuts, and solo tracks. You can pick up a copy of my book at Amazon.com or on my website, The Beatles I Want to Tell You. And follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at ShadyBearBKLYN, and like the Facebook page for I Want to Tell You. See you next week.